podcast is a seven-letter word. Today, we're in our podcast studio talking to our newest team members, Dave Knaus, Alfonso Hidalgo, and Justin Krakoff. Let's get to know them. So Dave, before you joined Seven Letter, you spent some time on campaigns. You worked at the polling firm Luntz Global. Can you tell us a little bit about what you learned from sitting behind the one-way glass and looking over crosstabs? I mean, what, um, what factors should people really be considering when they're looking at polling? Well, I think polling tells part of the story. Um, certainly, you can quantify how people feel and what they want to do. Um, but polling doesn't really get to the why, which is so important when you're talking about a campaign or an effort by a corporation to to get their point of view across to the general public. So using both of those tools in conjunction is the best way to do it because you can understand really what's motivating people. Um, is it their cost of living that's driving them crazy? Is it a particular policy that has them in a pinch? Um, where is their anxiety and what, what really keeps them up at night? And if you understand that and then see what they actually believe and want to do at the ballot box uh, or with their dollars, um, then there's some context there and you can design a much better strategy and a much better message that reaches them really where they are. So when you're looking at those different elements of the research, how do you then kind of move those into actual development of a winning message? Yeah, I think, I think what's important is, is, is understanding who your audiences are um, and figuring out a message that crosses a cut across all of those audiences. I think, you know, one thing we've noticed in our politics recently, certainly in the past few election cycles, is a tendency to splice up the electorate uh, and kind of pick a policy issue that works for that group and throw them a bone, and then one over here, throw them a bone, and same with a, a group over here. Um, and when there's inconsistency between those messages, voters they can smell it. They can smell that there's phoniness there, uh, and they'll attach themselves to that and say, "See, they're they're playing the game here." Um, so really, when you're developing an overall message, you need something that appeals to everybody, but is still consistent with those different elements. Um, and that's the challenge. And that's why understanding why people feel that way is so important, because um, oftentimes you'll see some some parallels between why they feel that way on different policies. So whether it's environmental policy, tax policy, healthcare policy, whatever it is, um, there's usually a thread. Uh, and if you can figure out what that thread is, you can message on that instead of messaging to the, the end policy goals. So what do you do with outliers? Um, we saw the pitfalls of an outlier survey just recently when Monmouth, uh, the Monmouth poll showed very different results from a Democratic in the Democratic primary than other sort of well-respected surveys. Um, I mean, Monmouth themselves even called it an outlier. So should outlier polls be released? Should researchers pause and even consider just rerunning a survey? Is there anything we can learn from those types of outliers? Outcomes. Well, first things first, it's the researcher's name that's on the poll. So if they want to re uh, release it and stand behind their findings, they absolutely should. Um, second, I think, you know, we shouldn't take too seriously the results of one poll. Um, what's really important, I'm going to sound like Nate Silver here, is looking at the whole picture. So the, the real clear politics average of polls gives you a better idea of what's going on than one individual poll would be. And that kind of mitigates the, the influence of, a, of an outlier. Um, one thing people usually forget is that it's primary season for the pollsters, too. They're trying to figure out what the electorate's going to look like on Election Day 2020 or on an, an individual primary day in an individual state. Um, so they're playing around with the model. Is it going to look like the, the turnout in 2018? Is it going to look like the turnout in 2016? Is it going to look like the historically low turnout in 2014? We don't know. It's a predictive art in some ways. Um, so they're trying to figure out their tool, their mechanisms, uh, and I think they deserve a little wiggle room to, to, 
to be creative and figure that out. Some polls are going to be right. There were outlier polls in 2016 that people laughed off, and they ended up being more predictive than the other ones. Um, I think as a general trend, we rely way too much on polls um, to, to energize our political conversation, right? Um, the, the media loves to talk about polls because it's easy to look at tracking numbers and, and do the horse race. Um, but if people are really out there being informed by polls in terms of what their decision is going to be at the ballot box, then I think we're going down the wrong road. <laughs> uh, ready for a lightning round? Let's we're going to hit it. seven questions. Keep your answers to one word. Yep. Time on the clock. Uh, divisive issue here. Mm-hmm. Oxford comma, yes or no? Yes. Ooh. M dash, yes or no? Yes. Wow, okay. Favorite font? Times New Roman. Least favorite word in the English language? Ameliorate. Huh. Favorite podcast other than this, obviously? Uh, Jonah Goldberg, The Remnant Podcast. First thing you read when you wake up? Uh, Sports Illustrated baseball page. Twitter, useful for communications or a bubble that does not reflect broad public sentiment? Definitely the latter. (laughs) Favorite communications tool? My voice. Nice. All right. Uh, Well, Dave, thanks so much for joining us on Podcast is a Seven-Letter Word. Podcast is a seven-letter word. And Justin Krakoff, thank you for joining us. Uh, So you're fresh off the campaign trail. What was your favorite part of working on a campaign? Uh, Well, first, I want to say thank you guys for having me. Um, (laughs) It is a lovely uh, morning. Um, so campaign trail, uh, you know, I had wanted to work on campaigns kind of mostly throughout college. Um, I felt there was the urgency and the kind of the right time for me to do it, um, being a postgrad. So I packed up my bags and moved all the way out to Nevada, um, was completely by chance. And yes, it is Nevada. Um, so please do not say Nevada. Um, but you know, it's working on a campaign. It's like an adrenaline rush that goes on for like five to six months and, Every day is a challenge. Every day is interesting, but you get to meet the best people and do some, you know, great work and win or lose. It's all about the experience and it's, uh, you know, the people you work for. And I had a great team and I was really lucky to also have a great boss. And, um, you know, I look back on that experience as, you know, something that, you know, you took a leap of faith and uh, that's always worth it no matter what you do. So, um Happy to be back, though, in Washington, but uh, it was a crazy, crazy six months. So, I mean, you referenced the fast-paced nature of work on a campaign. Um, here, the distinction is you're not necessarily just working for one client all the time. Um, how do you feel uh, the process of needing to juggle several different priorities in the course of a day? How, uh, how are you finding that? So it's interesting, because on the campaign trail, campaigns are an experience where you know, you get to try a lot of different things and, you know, you don't necessarily like everything, but, you know, the job has to get done. And more importantly for, you know, the ship to run, you got to make sure, you know, ever can't, you know, run a ship without someone there to, um, you know, sweep the floor. So if I had to, you know, whatever that job was that day, you know, either going to an event, staffing something, I had to step up and do it. So in many ways, it felt like, you know, I was prepared coming into this or had experience, you know, juggling sort of different jobs or different parts of my responsibilities. And I think the most interesting thing, though, about, you know, going from a campaign to the client side of things, you know, clients have their own segments and their own issues. But at the end of the day, they're all part of this larger kind of political conversation. And I think 
from you know the overlap between a campaign standpoint and client work is you know at the end of the day they're all trying to have and a message that you know they're going to affect change in some way um and i think that's the really interesting part of the work that kind of you know flows through from one end to the other that's great so we're we're pretty fortunate here at seven letter to have a fairly robust internship and fellowship program you have worked your way through the ranks of that program um how do you find uh, your time here now as an employee different from your experience as an intern or a fellow yeah so that that uh that internship that i had all the way back in i think it was 2017 yep 2017 all the way back it was two years ago <laughs> I have a beard now. Um, but uh, for me, I think it was my first kind of foray into communications in college. Or, you know, I, I was a journalist, and obviously my first job out of college was in digital communications. But when I was in college, I was trying to figure out, you know, what I was really interested in. You know, I knew I liked DC because I'd interned here before. But for me, this, you know, that first internship was a really kind of important gateway into the world of of, you know, communications, you know, strategic thinking and, you know, getting to work on a, you know, a bunch of different issues that I really hadn't even considered from a political standpoint. Um, and I think now versus then, you know, it's kind of the same mission, you know, people trying to, uh, a great group of people trying to engage the public in, you know, important uh, issue advocacy, advocacy campaigns. And I think the only thing that's different is definitely the political climate has accelerated a lot, a lot over the past two years. And I noticed that, just in the day-to-day on a lot of my clients, you know, um, it's, it's, I don't want to call it, you know, interesting, but it's definitely more uncertain. And I feel like I've definitely, you know, things can happen at any moment. And part of that, you know, it's part of our job to anticipate it and also know how to respond. Um, but, you know, I think at the end of the day, it just kind of speaks to how things are always changing in American politics and, um, or, you know, are really our political climate. And it's uh, definitely, a big shift that I've, you know, kind of noticed, especially as my time has gone on here as an employee. So we'll see what happens heading into the, you know, 2020. What a ride. All right. Uh, we are moving into our lightning round. Seven questions. Try to keep your answers to one word, please. Number one, divisive issue. Oxford comma, yes or no? Absolutely not. Correct answer. M dash, yes or no? Yes. Favorite font? Um, Times New Roman. Least favorite word in the English language? Probably the word moist. Oh, God. Gross. Favorite podcast other than ours? All things considered. First thing you read when you wake up? Twitter. Huh. Okay. Twitter. (laughs) (laughs) Useful communications or a bubble that doesn't reflect broad public sentiment? Uh, Useful communications simply because no one else knows how to scoop anymore besides reporters on Twitter. Because you went over one word, but good answer. (laughs) (laughs) Favorite communications tool? Twitter. (laughs) All right. Justin Krakoff, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Podcast is a seven-letter word. I'm here with Alfonso Hidalgo. Uh, Alfonso. Like a lot of members of the seven-letter team, including myself, you are from Massachusetts. What's the biggest difference from New England and D.C.? It's funny. I've, um, I've been in D.C. for the last nine months, right? So I'm fairly new. Um, and I've been asked this question a lot. And I think I can sum it up to like four different keywords. Uh, the humidity in the summer, <laughs> that's new. Um, happy hours, 
brunch, <laughs> and definitely like diversity. Um, in in Washington D.C., um, where I lived, I lived in um, Columbia Heights, so definitely that's like culture shock from where I came from. Got it. More importantly, however, a lot of people probably don't know that you are a championship boxer. Are there any lessons you've learned in training uh, in the ring that you have applied to your career in communications? <laughs> I love this question. Uh, I love the way you frame this question. Uh, yes, actually, um, my favorite boxer, Mike Tyson, uh, once said, he said, his quote was, everyone has a plan until you get punched in the mouth. And I know that sounds aggressive, but it's actually more profound than that. Um, so in the ring, there's an unspoken rule. You have to maintain this ultimate poise, right? So you cannot, you, you can never lose control in the ring. So if you can't control your fighter, but you can control yourself. So once you get angry, once you get frustrated, flustered because you're not landing the blows or the punches or combinations that you want, um, you can never let your opponent see that. And if he does land the blow that hurts you, you can never show pain because any box will tell you that once you do that, that's the beginning of the end. Um, so you're probably wondering how that is relevant to, to you know, being a communicator, being in communications. Um, think about any conversation you've ever prepared for, whether it be professional at work with a colleague, with the boss, with the client, or informal with a significant other, a partner, um, friends or family. Um, there's always going to be a different perspective, different opinions, different insights. Um, and you can never lose, you can never be angry when you receive a, a feedback or an opinion that doesn't match yours. So, um, like, similar to boxing in the ring, you can't control the person you're um, conversing with, but you can't control how you respond to that, right? So, to tie it all back to, you know, Mike Tyson's quote, it's not about whether, you know, you'll get punched because that's inevitable, but it's how you respond to that, right? So, how will you respond to getting that feedback that you're not expecting or no matter how much you prepare for it because it's going to come. So I've always thought about it that way, just, you know, controlling yourself and being like poised in communications because that'll make you really take you to the next level. And it really speaks to the need to be prepared when you're moving into a quote unquote arena. But right. once you're there, you need to be flexible. You need right. to be nimble and you need to take what comes. You need to adapt. <laughs> right, right. And most importantly, you, you need to be poised. You need to control yourself. You need to be able to know what you're going to do and how you're going to respond. So our clients look to you um, for a lot of monitoring of the new space, social media, looking at trends. Um, when you're kind of surveying the landscape for your clients, what are you looking for to help give them sort of insight into what's happening? Okay, definitely with media monitoring, keywords. Um, I look also for the sentiment of the coverage, whether it be positive or negative, and then diving deeper and seeing why that is. Um, usually with, with when news is breaking, it's usually like tied to a current event, right? So, um, and also uh, finding the source, like, you know, differentiating between what's credible and what's not. Um, and that will help me kind of just, you know, relay back or analyze, um, analyze what's, you know, what's breaking, what's, what's going on and how to like track this. Uh, okay, lightning round. Okay. Seven questions. Keep your answers to one word. <laughs> okay. Oxford comma, yes or no? Serial comma, yes. M dash, yes or no? No. Favorite font? Calibri. Least favorite word in the English language? Utilize. <laughs> <laughs> favorite podcast other than ours? Definitely other than ours. This is my favorite, but uh, Trevor Noah's. <laughs> oh, nice. First thing you read when you wake up? My mom's good morning text. 
Oh my God, my heart just melted. Uh, <laughs> Twitter, useful for communications or a bubble that does not reflect broad public sentiment? Definitely useful communication. Favorite communications tool? Slack. Ugh. <laughs> uh, Alfonso Hidalgo, thank you so much for joining us on, on podcast is a seven letter word. 